Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So back in 2018, the well-known evangelist Billy Graham passed away. And of course, Billy Graham is most well-known for uh, preaching to football stadiums filled with people. And over the course of the years, as he shared the gospel, thousands and thousands of people responded and turned from their sins and came to salvation. But you may not know, or you may know, that uh, for years he actually wrote a column that appeared in newspapers around the country called My Answer. And so in each of these columns, people would send questions in, and he would take time in each of these columns to respond to, to one of these questions with his answer. And so prior to his death in 2018, at the age of 99 years old, along with the help of, of his evangelistic association, he answered his final question for this column. And so the question was, how would you like to be remembered? So let me just read a portion of, of his answer. Graham wrote, I hope I will be remembered as someone who was faithful, faithful to God faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and faithful to the calling God gave me, not only as an evangelist, but as a husband, father, and friend. So let me pause right now and pose this question for you this morning. How would you like to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered at the end of your life, when it's all said and done, what one word would you want people to use of you? And a more important question to ask is, is, isn't simply what others would say of us, because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter as much what others say of us as it matters what God says of us. So what word could God use of us? What word could God use of us? So we're in the middle of this series right now titled Faithful. And along with this series, I've I've offered a vision for us that I want us to grab hold of throughout 2023. Here's the vision, that we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. And really, this is a vision for us as a church body, but also as individuals, because remember, the church body is made up of individual believers, we are a gathering of individual believers. And so if we as a church are going to walk in faithfulness, if we are going to live a life of faithfulness, then, then it has to begin with us as individuals walking in faithfulness. Now, if you remember, this vision is rooted in a parable that we looked at to launch this series in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about a master that entrusted servants or entrusted talents or valuable units of money into his three servants' care. And to the two servants that did something with what their master had entrusted to them, the master used the word faithful of them. But of the servant that did nothing with what the master had entrusted into their care, 
the word that the master used of this servant was the word lazy. And so if we're truly going to be a faithful people in all things at all times until it's all over, then the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are we doing with what God has entrusted into our care? What are we doing with what God has entrusted into our care? As individuals, as we look at our families, as we look at our jobs, as we look at our homes, as we look at our finances, as a church, as we look at our mission and our ministry, what are we doing with what God has entrusted into our care? And as a church, what, what we're doing to... to talk about faithfulness is we're starting with what we know God has already entrusted into our care, and that's our mission here. And so if you're new with us, we have a simple mission at First Baptist Church Stockdale to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And so each week we're looking at a different facet of this mission. And so two weeks ago, we looked at our call to love. Last week, we looked at our call to grow. This morning, we're going to look at our call to serve. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11 today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Now, as you're turning there, let me set this up for you. The, the book of 1 Peter is written by the Apostle Peter, and, and it's written to believers who were dispersed uh, across the ancient world at that time, and it was during a time that believers were experiencing great persecution. And if anyone understood great persecution, if anyone could write to believers experiencing persecution, it was Peter, because Peter himself was threatened, he was punished, and he was jailed for preaching the word of God. As we think about faithfulness, Peter is certainly someone that modeled a life of faithfulness. Now, this is kind of a side note, but as we think about the country that we live in, in fact, Palmer prayed this earlier, as we think about the country that we live in, we still live in a country with great freedom. Now, the, the reality is, is that the war against Christian standards, the war against Christian values is very real. And, and sin is more and more prevalent in our culture today. But, but we still have freedom to gather to worship. We still have freedom to study God's word. And we still have freedom to proclaim God's word. And so as we think about the freedoms that we still have, let me encourage us this morning. Let's use our freedom to be faithful. Let's use our freedom to be faithful. Now, in the midst of what Peter faced, in the midst of what he endured, he did it with, without bitterness, he did it without losing hope, and he did it with great faith and with great faithfulness. In fact, Peter didn't see this time of persecution as a time of sorrow. He really saw it as a time of joy. And his joy was rooted in, much like Paul's joy in the book of Philippians, Peter's joy was rooted in, not in his circumstances, Peter's joy was rooted in Christ. Now, specifically here in 1 Peter, Peter is looking to the, the hope of the future 
return of Christ. And he's encouraging all believers to do the same, which means that, that Peter wasn't simply encouraging believers at that time to look to the future return of Christ with great hope, but Peter is still encouraging us today with his words to look to the future return of Christ with great hope. And so as we look at Peter's words here, really what we could say that he's saying is live for something more than the now. Live for something more than the now. Listen, regardless of what your life may look like today, whether you would say that your life is marked with great hardships or whether you would say that your life is marked with great blessings, we are called to live for something more than the now. In other words, we are called to live with eternity in mind because this is what happens when we live with eternity in mind. When we live for something more than the now, it impacts how we live in the now. It impacts how we live right now. You know, as we think back to this parable of the talents, the, the master, the, when he used that word faithful of the, the two servants that did something with, with, their, with the talents that were entrusted to them. They did something for the master. The reason why he called them faithful is, is because they did something in the time that they were waiting for his return. They weren't simply in that time they were waiting. They weren't simply living for that moment. They were living with the knowledge that one day their master was going to come back and they wanted to give their master something more than he had left with them. And so they were living for something more than the now. You see, when we live for something more than the now, it impacts how we live in the here and now. So we are called to live for something more than the now. Now, in the passage that we're looking at today, it's right in the middle of chapter 4. And it, the focus of Peter's message in chapter 4 is that the knowledge that Christ died on the cross for our sins... The knowledge that, that we have received salvation because of Christ's suffering and the knowledge of this promise that one day our master, one day Christ is going to return, it should impact how we are living today. And so we're going to see this call at the, very far, uh, at the very start of our passage in verse 7. So in verse 7, Peter says, "...the end of all things is near." The end of all things is near. So back in 1947, the, the Science and Security Board of the Atomic Scientists, they unveiled what they have deemed, what they call the, the doomsday clock. How many of y'all have heard of the doomsday clock? All right. So this is a metaphorical clock that is designed to show how close humanity is to the end of all things, and the end of all things, according to them, is some catastrophic event that has been created, it's so great, created by mankind, which ultimately destroys mankind and the planet that we live in. Now, in 1947, the clock was set to seven minutes to midnight, midnight representing the end of all things. And over the many decades, that time has moved, been moved forwards and backwards 25 times. So earlier this last week, the clock was moved forward 10 seconds, and it's the closest it's ever been to midnight. It's 90 seconds to midnight. 
Now, the purpose and the desire of them creating this metaphorical clock is to get mankind to live with the end in mind so that we will take measures to, to move further and further away from midnight instead of moving closer to, to it. But I want you to understand, while we do need to live with the end in mind, that is not the end that Scripture talks about. That is not the end that Peter is talking about there because we have a promise from Christ. The promise is that one thing, all things are going to come to an end, but it's not with some great catastrophe that mankind has created. One day, all things are going to come to an end when Jesus Christ returns victoriously. That's the hope and that's the promise that we have from Scripture. And so, while Peter didn't know when that day or hour would be, we don't know when that day or hour is going to come. If we trust in the promise that one day our master is going to return, then we know that one day Jesus is going to return, that that is the end of all things. And so just as Peter's life was marked by the future return of Christ, it was impacted, he lived for the future return of Christ, may our lives also be marked by the future return of Christ, that, that how we live today wouldn't just be for the here and now, but how we live today would be impacted by the day that one day our master would return, that the word that he might use of us would be this word faithful. So with that in mind, let's read our passage now, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as, as one who speaks God's words." If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, much of what Peter talks about in these five verses is, is serving, which is why I think this is a perfect passage for us to look at this morning as we consider our, our call as a church body to serve. But, but I want to highlight what Peter points out in verse 8. Before he begins talking about serving, in verse 8, Peter says, Above all, maintain a constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. So as we think about serving, as we think about our call to serve, I want you to understand that what we love, we will serve. Let me say that again. What we love, we will serve. If we love our stomachs, we're going to serve our stomachs. And we're probably going to make some unhealthy choices in the process. If we love our bank accounts, we are going to serve our bank accounts. And, and we're going to do whatever we need to, even making compromises along the way, to make sure that our bank accounts have lots and lots of money in them. If we love our desire to be entertained then we're going to serve that desire. 
And we may spend hours and hours watching TV or movies, playing video games. We may spend lots of money on things that bring us entertainment because we want to serve that desire to be entertained. Ultimately, if we love ourselves, and I don't mean that in the healthy way that we should love ourselves, but if we love ourselves to the extreme, then we are going to serve ourselves and we're going to serve whatever desire that we might have because what we love, we will serve. So let me just ask this question this morning. What do you love? What do you love? And let me just encourage you to be honest because this is only between you and God. So what do you love? Because... What we love, we will serve. And I want you to understand, we aren't called to to love all of these other things in this unhealthy way, which ultimately, far too often as we serve these things that we love, far too often these things become false gods in our life that we are serving. But I want you to know, we are called to love one another. Remembering what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, that, that our love for one another is a result of God's love for us. We love because he first loved us. And out of Christ's love for us, what did he do? He served us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, we read, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ served us, and he served us in the most extreme way possible. He laid his life down for us that we might be forgiven, that we might be redeemed of our sins so that we could come into a right relationship with the Father. Christ served us. And so as we look to Christ as our example of love and as, as our example of, of service, we're reminded of this truth, that we can't love without serving. We can't love without serving. If we say we love God and yet we never serve God, can we really say that we love him? If we say we love our spouse and yet we never serve our spouse, can we really say that we love our spouse? And if we say we love one another and yet we never do anything to serve one another, can we really say that we love one another? And I would say that we can't because What we love, we will serve. And so Peter talks about serving one another as he talks about Peter, as as Peter talks about serving one another here in chapter four. He starts out with this reminder that we are to love one another. We're to maintain a constant love for one another because serving one another is going to be a result of our love. For one another. And so now as we consider this, this call to, to serve faithfully or, or this call for us to have faithful service, uh, I want to quickly discuss three ways from this passage in which we are called to serve. Now, not three areas that we're called to serve in, but, but these are three ways that we are called to serve. So first, we are, to, we are called to serve with a good attitude. We are called to serve with a good attitude. Let's look at verse 9 again. It says, Be hospitable to one another without complaining. We are called to serve with a good attitude. Now, the word that's used there instead of serve is hospitable, which really is another way for, for saying 
to serve one another. And to, you know, when you're hospitable to a guest in your home, you're serving them with a good attitude. And so we are to serve one another with a good attitude. Now, having worked in the customer service field for, for several years before transitioning into full-time ministry, I can tell you that a good attitude makes all the difference. A good attitude makes all the difference because in a company, you are representing more than just the comp- or more than just yourself. You are, representing a, you are representing the company that you work for. In your words and in your actions, you are representing the, the company as a whole. Now, we've all had our share of poor service at times. You can probably think of your own poor customer service story, and I'm going to share one with you right now. So, at Christmas, when my family and I, on Christmas Day, we were driving up to Tulsa, and we stopped at a gas station just so we could get some some food and drink, some snacks for the road, and... The lady that that was working the counter, the cashier behind the counter, she did not have a good attitude, right? And so we we put our stuff on the counter, and she did something that that no one in the history of me ever going to a gas station has, has done before. She complained about how we set stuff on the counter. Apparently, we didn't do it correctly. Now, I get it. It was Christmas Day. She probably did not want to be working on Christmas Day, right? And, and so, you know, I tried to just take it from that perspective. She probably didn't want to be there. But, but her bad attitude in serving us kind of negated the service that she was providing for us. Now, I want to contrast that with a good customer service experience that I had recently. I ordered something from an online company, and, uh, and I paid extra for shipping because I wanted to get it here sooner rather than later. Well, I received an email a couple days later that, uh, with the date that this product was going to arrive, and to me, it appeared that this product was going to be arriving outside of this window that I had paid extra to receive it in. So I contacted the company, and I let them know my frustration. And actually, they said, well, if you look at our shipping policy, if you had read that, uh, you would have seen uh, that, that we're actually shipping it in the time frame that, that you paid for. And so really, it was my mistake. They did all of that very graciously. It was really my mistake, but they said, you know what? We're still going to reimburse you that extra shipping that you paid. So it was my fault, but they had a good attitude about it, and they still reimbursed me for, for that shipping. Well, out of those two places, which place do you think I want to do business with again? The one that served me with a good attitude. Now, understand, we are not to view one another with a consumeristic mentality, right? We're not to see each other as customers, all right? But I do think that this serves as a good reminder for us that when we serve we are to serve with a good attitude. We are to serve without complaining. And while our attitude in business may reflect back on our company, our attitude as a believer reflects back on our Lord. Our attitude as a believer reflects back on our Lord. So the question is, what is our attitude reflecting? As we think about serving, when we serve others, whether we're serving in this building or whether we're serving outside of this building, what is our attitude reflecting? 
Would our attitude in service be something that, that to an unbeliever, they would say, man, that makes me want to come to know and to serve the Lord that they say that they are serving? What does our attitude say about us? So we are called to serve with a good attitude. Second, we are to serve with the gifts we've been given. Let's read verse 10 again. It says, Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good, good stewards of the varied grace of God. We are to serve with the gifts we've been given. Uh, another way to say this is that we are to serve with what God has entrusted into our care. And so I asked this question of us as a church earlier, what are we doing with what God has entrusted into our care? But, but let me make that a little more personal now, and let me just ask directly, what are you doing with what God has entrusted into your care? And specifically, let me ask you to look at your giftings and your talents that God has given to you. Because as we think about serving, sometimes we don't know where to begin. And so as we think about serving, the best place to start is with what God has entrusted into your care. Listen, God has designed each of us uniquely. There are some things that I'm talented in that you are not talented in. And there are some things that you are talented in that I'm not talented in. And that's great because we were not called to do it all on our own. We were called to come together as a body, a body made up of different parts, a body made up of different giftings. We are called to come together as a body and to serve one another and to serve together. You know, in the age of technology and websites, there's a real need for, for photography. And this is just an example that I'm using of how we can can use our gifts for the Lord and, and to use our gifts to serve other, others. So there's this real need because of Facebook, because of websites. There's this real need for photography in churches unlike ever before. And so there have been times that I've asked Keely McKinney and I've asked Laura Snyder to, to use their gifts, to come up and take photos of our baptisms or, or other things around the church so that we can use those for social media purposes. Right? And so that's just one example of, of looking at your gifts and saying, how can I use my gift to serve the Lord and to serve others? So let me just pause right here and ask, how have you been gifted? How have you been gifted? Think about that. Look at your gifts. Look at your talents. How have you been gifted? And as you think about how you've been gifted, then, then kind of the second question is, how can, how can I use this gift to serve the Lord. How can I use this gift to serve the Lord and to serve others? So as we think about serving the Lord and serving one another, the best place to start is with what God has entrusted into our care. So a couple of months ago, before Christmas, uh, one of our members came up to the church with an idea you know, sometimes ideas are what God has entrusted into our care. So they came up to my office with an idea. What if we put bags together? It's all going to start coming together now. What if we put bags together, and inside the bags we put little Gideon Bibles with a gospel track, 
All right, that's what we have in here. Little Gideon Bibles with gospel track. And then we let people take these with them and have them add something to the bag. So maybe you add a gift card, maybe you add cash, maybe you add some crackers, and you keep the bag in your car, and then as you come up on a street corner or in a parking lot and you see a homeless person or someone with those signs asking for help, you've got this bag here with you, and you can take it and you can give them this bag. They're going to get God's Word, they're going to get the gospel presentation, and then whatever you add to the bag that helps. So the idea was brought to me, and literally two days later, someone called me and said, I've got all of these Gideon Bibles that I want to donate to your church. Well, God doesn't always make a plan that obvious, but when he does, we're going to be faithful with what God has entrusted into our care. And so that's what these bags are. Each of these bags, you've got some bigger bags and some smaller bags. Each of these bags have the Gideon Bible. They've got the gospel tract in it. I'm encouraging you today to grab one of these bags, take it with you, and add something to it. It could be a gift card to a fast food restaurant. If you want to put cash in it, you could. If you want to put those peanut butter or cheese crackers in it, you could add that to it. But something that you can keep in your car, have on hand, so that you can give it out to someone when you see them, so that you can serve them. Now, I know the hesitation sometimes, right? We don't, we don't know everybody's situation. We don't know the legitimacy of each person that's asking for help. And I would say that's okay. We're not called to know everybody's situation, but we are called to serve. And so this is just an easy, tangible way for us to carry these with us and for us to serve one another. So we're, we're, we're called to serve with a good attitude. We are called to serve with the gifts that we have been given. Finally, this morning, we have been called to serve with strength from the Lord. Let's look at verse 11 again. It says, If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. We have been called to serve with strength from the Lord. Let's face it, serving can be difficult sometimes. Sometimes serving is difficult because we're tired. Sometimes serving is is difficult because we've got a lot on our plate and it's simply hard to stop and to serve. Sometimes serving can be difficult because of other people. Other people may have a, a bad attitude and so it's hard to work with them and it's hard to serve them. Sometimes serving can be difficult because we're scared. What if I mess up? What if I'm not good enough. And so as we think about all of these ways that serving can be difficult, we can look to these things and we can allow these things to be excuses to prevent us from serving, or we can look at these things and we can allow them to point us to his strength instead of our own. Understand, when it comes to serving, it's not about our strength, it's all about his It's not about our strength. It's all about his. And when we serve in his strength, then we are able to see and experience not just what we can do, but we're able to see and experience what God can do through us. And Peter says here that it's, it's when we serve in his strength that God gets the glory. 
When we serve in his strength, God gets the glory. You see, we are called to faithfully serve, not to bring glory and honor to ourselves. And we're called to faithfully serve, not even to bring glory and honor to to our church. We're called to faithfully serve so that we can bring glory and honor to our God and to God alone. And here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, we are going to be a people that serves from now and until Christ returns. We're going to take this call that God has entrusted into our care to serve, and we are going to be faithful with it. We're going to serve with a good attitude. We're going to serve with the gifts we've been given, and we're going to serve with strength from the Lord so that when our master returns, the word that can be used of us would be this word, faithful. That we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. Now, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, understand before you begin serving the Lord, your first step is to submit to Jesus as your Lord. And if you've never taken that step to submit to Jesus as your Lord, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond today. And if you're here and you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ, I've never allowed him to be my Lord, but today I've heard that he died on the cross for me. I've heard that he rose again and one day he's coming back and today I'm ready to submit to Jesus as my Lord. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as we sing. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can just step out of your seat, you can come and join me down here, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, you know what, I've given my life to Christ, but, but if I'm honest, I have not been faithful to serve, to serve the Lord and to serve others. And I need to get that right with the Lord. I need to make a commitment to begin serving today. If that's you, listen, you can get that right with the Lord right where you're at. You can talk with him right there. But if you need someone to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ But I've never taken that next step to publicly confess Christ as Lord through baptism. Listen, we don't believe baptism saves us, but we do believe that God calls every single professing believer to baptism, to take that step. And so if you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step to be baptized, then I would invite you to respond as well. We can make that commitment together this morning. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I have taken that step of baptism by immersion, and and I know that God's calling me to to join First Baptist Church Stockdale to make this my church home. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do, as we sing this song, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Stand with me right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.